Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. This comes out of Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Brother Kevin. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here. Let's pray. Father God, we just welcome you. We welcome you here with us. And God, I just I pray, Lord, that whatever little I could say that would glorify you today whatever anybody could receive from you, Lord, may it be. Father, I just pray that your word would be life for us and that you would speak to us through your words, encourage us, inspire us to be the body of Christ, to Denver, to the nation, to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I got to get my water ready here because my mouth is so dry right now. So a few years ago, I had the privilege of officiating my daughter's wedding. Oh, thank you. I had the, I had the privilege of officiating my daughter's wedding. And the greatest piece of advice that I offered them was to be kind. Seems so simple and elementary, doesn't it? We all know that in order for a marriage to be successful, it takes a lot of God, a lot of hard work, and a lot of love. But something as simple as kindness, being kind to one another, can actually determine if your marriage is successful. So let me explain. In the 1970s, social scientists began to notice that marriages were ending in alarming rates. So they began to research what was causing this by studying how couples interact with each other. One of those psychologists is a man named John Gottam. And for the past four decades, he has studied thousands of couples to figure out what it is that makes relationships work. John would create what is called love labs and he would bring couples in and observe their interactions. Within the first 15 minutes, 
He can predict with up to 94% certainty whether the couple will stay together or later divorce. In one of his more recent experiments, he designed a lab to look like a beautiful bed and breakfast retreat, and he invited 130 newlywed couples to come in and do what they would normally do during vacation. It was during this experiment that Gautam made a critical discovery. Throughout the day, the couples would make requests for connection. He called them bids. For example, a husband who's a bird enthusiast might say to his wife, oh, look at that beautiful bird outside. Now, he's not just commenting on the bird. He is actually requesting a response from his wife, a sign of interest or support, hoping that they will connect. Now, the wife can respond by turning towards her husband or turning away. She can accept or reject the bid. Now, the bird bid might seem a little silly and minor, but it can actually have a profound effect on the relationship. The concluding research showed that couples who later divorced only met each other's bids three out of the 10 times. And couples who are still together turn towards one another nine out of the 10 times. Over the years in many different love labs, Gautam concluded that what makes a marriage successful comes down to one simple key practice, kindness. There's a great deal of evidence that shows that when someone receives or witnesses kindness, the more they will then be kind. Not only does this happen in marriage, but in our interactions with our family, our friends, and even strangers that we meet. Kindness is not a fixed trait that somebody naturally has, but it is a muscle. And the more that you exercise that muscle, the easier and the stronger it becomes. It's something you have to work on every single day. Now, it's no secret that we live in a time where conflict and strife are infecting every aspect of our experience. With globalization and social media, we are constantly inundated, bombarded with hatred and strife. Whether you're driving on I-25 or you go to the grocery store, watching the news, interacting with your family at a family reunion or the holidays, or reading a politically charged Facebook post. There is a visceral tension below the surface. You can feel it, am I right? Hostility, unfortunately, is becoming the norm. And it's contagious. You've heard of the mob mentality where people are fueled by emotions rather than rationality. And they tend to act in crowds in ways that they normally wouldn't if they were alone. The more angry people are, the more angry people become. It seeps in every crack of our life. And if we are not careful, we become subject to its destruction. And then eventually, we become a conduit of anger. 
My daughter, my youngest daughter, works in the service industry. And for those of you who have ever worked in the service industry, you know you've had experience with this. I would say probably three out of the five times she comes home from work, she's in tears because somebody spewed hate at her. Somebody yelled at her. Somebody literally spit on her, coughed on her during COVID. Uh, somebody even threw a Starbucks cup of coffee at her. We have an anger epidemic. And God's word is clear about anger. James 1, 19 through 20, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Proverbs 15, 11, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Matthew 5.22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be danger in danger of the fire of hell. Psalm 37.8, refrain from anger, turn from wrath, do not fret, it only leads to evil. I could keep going. There's over a hundred scriptures admonishing anger. So today I want to talk to you about how us as believers are called by Christ to put away anger and clothe ourselves with kindness. The very simple act of being kind has the power to disarm anger and bring the kingdom of heaven into a very hurting world. So if you have your Bible open to Colossians 3. So some quick background on Colossians. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Colossae during one of his imprisonments. He didn't actually meet the Christians, but he had heard of them and he had been praying for them. And Paul had heard that the Christians in the church in Colossae had strayed from their faith in Christ. There were two, two things happening. There were two, two, different, um, two different camps, I guess you could say. One camp of Christians started to participate in polytheism, where they began to worship many different gods. They were followers of Christ. They worshiped Christ, but they also began to worship other gods, and they also began to create their own self-made religions. And then the other camp was a group of Christians who fell back into Jewish legalism. They were so wired with the Jewish laws and traditions that they began to be so strict about following the laws. The concept of salvation was so foreign that by grace, the salvation by grace, apart from works, was just not in their nature. They just could not seem to grasp a hold of that. So in this letter, Paul is encouraging them and admonishing them that complete sufficiency is in Christ alone. 
in the beginning of chapter 3, Paul says to set their mind on things above, not on earthly things, to put to death all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and destructive language, and instead put on the new self. So he's encouraging and challenging them to live in the present as the kinds of new humans they will one day become. So let me say that again. We are to live in the present as the kind of new human we will one day become. I have a favorite t-shirt. Some of you have, may have seen it around. It says, be the person your pet thinks you are. <laughs> I love it. Be the person Christ thinks you are, right? Amen. Paul then goes on to remind them that in Christ there is no division between Greek or Jew, slave or free, uncircumcised, circumcised. See, the Jews are arguing about circumcision, that if you weren't circumcised, you weren't righteous. Divisions were happening among Christians. Shocking. Divisions have been taking place in the church since. I remember having a conversation with a Christian once that said, if I didn't speak in tongues, I wasn't a true believer in Christ. These divisions have been going on and on, and they continue to go on. Human beings are always trying to earn their way to righteousness by following religious laws or their self-made religions. Paul is telling the church at Colossae, this is not of any value. Christ alone is our righteousness. So that brings us up to chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, where I want to focus today. And it begins with the word, therefore. Whenever you read, therefore, in the scripture, it in indicates that this section stands in contrast with the previous verses. So there's a shift in the tone. Paul goes on and he says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Because I think we read this and we skip over something that is so valuable right here. See, these are special titles that are used of the Israelites in the Old Testament as God's own possession is what it means. And it's also referred to as Christ in the New Testament, Luke 23, 35, Holy One, Mark 1, 24, Matthew 3, 17, my son in whom I love. And now we are being addressed in the same way as Christ. Because when we receive him as Lord of our lives, we become his possession. Amen, right? Be the person Christ thinks you are. This is what Christ thinks you are. You are chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. No matter how much you mess up, no matter how many mistakes you made, you are still God's chosen one. Holy and dearly loved, you receive that title, title when you choose to follow Christ. You cannot earn it, and you cannot unearn it. Amen? Amen. 
And then Paul goes on to explain what it means to live in contrast to the earthly things by clothing ourselves with the characteristics of God. He specifically talks about five virtues in the last one as love being the superior virtue. Essentially, Paul is contrasting five vices with five virtues. Therefore, instead of putting on anger, wrath, malice, slander, destructive speech, he tells us to put on, or other translations say, to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So Paul is giving the church a handbook for Christian life. Following Jesus means joining in his new humanity, a new humanity that transcends all divisions. Because when we clothe ourselves, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There is no Greek or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free. Christ abolishes the divisions. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are not subject to our old self anymore. When we give way to anger, we are living out of our old self. We have the ability to choose to clothe ourselves with a new self. So just as you wake up in the morning and you put on your pants and you put on your shirt, you can also put on compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, kindness. So I want to go back to my introduction on John Gottam's marital research and focus on that one virtue of kindness, because I think there's a valuable lesson for us in this. You know, we hear that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and sometimes I feel like love can be so broad, but kindness is a real simple, tangible, scientifically proven act that not only saves marriages, but it has the ability to break down and disarm hostility and divisions. We see this all throughout history, where acts of kind kindness changed lives. Oscar Schindler's choice to be kind to 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust still resonates today. Army combat medic Desmond Doss saved the lives of 75 wounded infantrymen. The sacrifice of elderly volunteers during a nuclear crisis at a power plant in Fukushima saved the lives of many young workers. 
In 2001, a group of Christian protesters linked hands to create a human wall around a group of Muslims so that they could safely pray. And a few days later, those Muslims did the same thing for them at a church service in Egypt, protecting them from Islamic extremist groups. And then, of course, there are the acts and kindness performed by Christ that we read all throughout the scriptures. These are all historical and very courageous acts of kindness, but it doesn't have to be that grand to be impactful. God uses all kinds of kindness, simple acts of kindness. Many of them we probably don't ever see, but one day we will see. As John Gottam states, kindness is not a fixed trait. It may come easier for certain types of personalities, but it's something that we must intentionally practice. As Paul says in Colossians, we must clothe ourselves. He doesn't say that once you become a believer, you automatically become kind. No. You have to intentionally choose to clothe yourself with kindness. There's power when we set intentions. There's a reason Paul states to think on things above, not on things on earth. When we think on things above, when we meditate on heavenly things, we are more likely to inhabit and model those intentions. Your thought patterns determine your behavior. You become what you think. It starts in your mind. As Christians, we have a special opportunity to bring kindness to our world and break down barriers of anger and hostility. Now here at the church, we talk a lot about outreach, multiplying, making disciples. These are all really good things. We can offer all the biblical theology, give all the answers to people, we can talk a lot about God's love and kindness and goodness, but it is only when we put it into action through kindness that people remember that. Theology doesn't change your heart, but it's the kindness of God that makes a lasting impact. Romans 2.4 says it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. As I close our time, I want us, I want to challenge all of us here to practice kindness. During your week, I want you to find five new ways to show kindness to others. So maybe that's extending a hand to a, a, a neighbor who's doing yard work. Maybe it's buying groceries for a single mom who's struggling with her kids in the grocery store. Even better, Maybe it's responding to somebody who's lashing out, who's angry, with kindness, with a listening ear. Let's be the church that is clothed in kindness. God displayed the ultimate act of kindness by sacrificing Jesus on the cross for our sins. And every week we take a moment to remember that sacrifice by partaking in his Holy Communion. And so if you have your cup, if you need a cup, 
raise your hand and Terry will come and make sure to give you one. Go ahead and open the lid of the cracker. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took, his, he took some bread and he broke it. And offering thanks, he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we just thank you so much for the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of kindness. God, that you left what was comfortable and came as a man and experienced everything that we experienced. God, we thank you for your kindness. And God, you've called us to be as Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to clothe ourselves with kindness in our marriages, in our relationships with our parents, our kids, our siblings, with strangers, God, that when we are tempted to give in to anger, would you remind us to take it off and to put on your kindness, your humility, your gentleness, patience. Father, we love you and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.